episode 16, recorded July 2021, featuring internationally renowned wildlife expert Val Geist, starts right now. He has hunted all across America and around the world. Rifle, pistol, shotgun, crossbow, compound, traditional, he uses them all. He's an outfitter, an award-winning outdoor television host, and founder of America's only organization fighting to protect every hunter's lifestyle. He's brash, he's bold, he's humorous, and a bit hot-headed. But when it comes to all things God, family, country, and hunting, He's Keith Mark, and he's right on the mark. The next episodes feature discussions with one of the foremost experts on big game animals in North America, Val Geist. You probably don't recognize his name because he's never sought the spotlight. And when he did take center stage, of course, the mainstream media ignored him and his message. Mr. Geist was born in the Ukraine and was raised in Austria and Germany. As a youngster, he was ridiculed by peers and turned to the woods and wild places for the comfort they provide, just as many hunters have. Through his long life, he was a rugged big game hunter, a highly educated biologist who went on to become a professor. He was a prolific writer and a passionate lover of animals. He helped to provide the framework for the North American model of conservation, and he was a vocal advocate for predator management. We were blessed to share the time we had with Mr. Geist. And what you're about to hear was most likely his last interview as God took him home just two weeks after our recording. I've struggled with the decision of whether to go forward with these episodes, but I'm confident that Val Geist would want his message to be heard. Whatever your feelings about the need for hunting and predator management, you absolutely should listen to the thoughts and beliefs of this unparalleled expert on these subjects. Speaking for everyone here at Right on the Mark podcast, conservation, wildlife, and all wild places has lost a true champion with the passing of Val Geist. Mr. Geist was certainly a friend to the North American hunters, and we dedicate these three shows to his lifetime of learning, hard work, advocacy, and his many hunting adventures. Godspeed and God bless Val Geist. Welcome back uh, to the conclusion of Right on the Mark this week. Um, our guest, of course, is Val Geist. Uh, and and I, I tell you, I mean, I hope you guys were as entertained and as informed as I've been. I mean, Josh, this has been incredible. Um, I, I've learned so much. Uh, I feel like there's still so much more uh, that we can learn, but with the time constraints that we have, first of all, Mr. Geist, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I've really enjoyed. Quite an honor, actually, to have You're you welcome. on as a guest. So I'd like to just give you the mic to conclude. Um, what are your final thoughts on maybe what we can do, what we should do, uh, what your final thoughts are for today on this topic? Well, first of all, get informed. And that's the most important thing. And use science and history to inform yourselves about wolves and then act consequently. And people that have acted consequently, like, for instance, the Alaskans, yeah, yeah, see them as a good example. They recognize the predator pit. They recognize that it is wolf control that will bring wildlife back for human consumption. And that is their official policy. So you have 
already examples of where uh, uh, wolves are proper, and bears, by the way, are properly managed. And under no circumstances should you believe that introducing wolves into settled landscapes will retain wolves under natural condition. It doesn't. It destroys wolves. So you are in this very, very deep contradiction in your country, to say the very least, about it. Let's get science back. Let's get facts back. Yeah. Let's have a library card and see what other people are trying to tell us over hundreds of years about their experience, because they're just as valid then as they were valid today. Um, one of the things that you hear in the States, that we shouldn't allow hunting of any animal that we do not eat or consume, which in which would, in essence, end all predator hunting, whether that would be bears, mountain lions, um, right. the wolf. Um, uh, what's your take on the importance of predator management and the argument that hunters should not uh, hunt anything they don't eat? Uh, I think this is idea is absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Because when you kill a bear, particularly a black bear, you have a wonderful hide. And it is a wonderful hide to sleep on. And it's so warm and so cozy and so terrific that you realize that our ancestors knew something when they were using bear skins to sleep on, believe you me. Same thing with wolf as well. Uh, as far as bears are concerned, black bears, particularly spring and grass-fed bears have superlative meat and superlative fat yeah, for human consumption. I know because my wife was enthusiastic about bear fat as something to make pies with as, as an example. Uh, the um, bears that are feeding on fish and so on uh, are not very good to eat, and there's nothing wrong with burying them uh, as far as is concerned, but taking the hide. Yes, you should kill with purpose. And when I hunt and kill a bear, it isn't for fun. There is a purpose behind it. <clears throat> that is granted. Uh, Mr. Geis, what role has media played in the propaganda behind the way the public views the wolf? Um, and a very unfortunate and negative one. Uh, they have not reported on things that I have said, for instance, in public meetings. Um, the, um, uh, for instance, I investigated and published a paper, by the way, on the death of Kenton Carnegie. And the reason Kenton Carnegie died is because of the legislation in Saskatchewan. Had that poor young man landed in British Columbia, he would be alive and well today. But he landed in Saskatchewan, where the legislation protected wolves, which generated garbage wolves, which generated habituated wolves, and they killed Kenton Carnegie. None of that was reported in the media, although I tried and tried and tried, as uh, informed the Canadian, uh, pardon me, the um, uh, uh, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation twice on that. They didn't report it. I reported the uh, National Post. They didn't report on it and so on and so forth. So there was, uh, I also gave a talk, for instance, in Colorado, and I was amazed to see that absolutely nothing about what I've said appeared in the papers, although the, the, um, um, there were journalists present. So I must say that uh, your uh, journalists are not doing their job. At least not honestly. Well. Uh, they, they have to be probed uh, about this. What I'm telling you, you can go and read up, for God's sake. All you need is a, to have is a library card. 
Mr. Geist, um, earlier in our discussion, you called the coyote the small wolf. Um, yes, in America right now, there is a, a huge up cry to stop hunting coyotes. Yes, I understand and, that. And, you know, coyotes used to be trapped, uh, and, and when trapping Correct. became non-lucrative and okay. almost frowned upon, there is such a diminished amount of trapping that the coyote populations have now soared, soared out of control. And I'm familiar with that. And so in some states, um, they have what's called coyote calling contests with the hope of getting that. hunters interested to come out and actually do their conservation part in thinning the small wolf coyote herds, if you will. Um, so they're trying right now to ban coyote hunting contests. Um, and Listen, your thoughts on that? What you are trying to restore is by and large biodiversity in which the ungulates, the deer, the elk and moose and so on have a part to play. If you let coyotes and wolves take over, there's not going to be any of that. In fact, the minimum, and you have an empty landscape, you have the wild desert, the wild that I was talking about. As far as I'm concerned, these coyote contests are doing a lot of good at the present time, precisely because they're allowing biodiversity to resurface. And please, your national parks have now admitted that their protectionism has led to a decrease of biodiversity in their protected areas and an increase in invasive species. In fact, about 6,000 500 invasive species that they know of. Now, that is not conservation. That's a farce. Mr. Geist, I'm sure you saw the uh, famous video that uh, tried to uh, scientifically prove that the increased uh, wolf population in Yellowstone had led to positive restoration. That is a farce. Tell me that about came that. came out of England. Tell me about that. Well, that was one of these concoctions that was bred because there are papers by scientists that refute that. And I've read them. I can't remember right now the, uh, the, the names and so on I would have told you. But that is one of those. Uh, well, we are dealing with environmental movement that is driven by ideology, but is not driven by any respect for science and for any uh, respect for uh, facts. This is not the case. Speak to Charles Kay, for instance, who studied uh, the ecology of uh, Yellowstone Park for his the PhD process, and he's continued on, and he uh, has a book written about uh, Yellowstone, which I have, uh, understand he has difficulty publishing, precisely because it contravenes the uh, conventional now uh, view of uh, the uh, of environmentalists. But the <laughs> the uh, situation in Yellowstone has in many regards remained. There's very, very few places indeed where some regeneration has taken place. And as I said, what you have been told is simply a very lovely uh, fairy tale. In fact, um, are you familiar with Alan Savory and his work? It ring, rings a bell at the present time. Alan Savory is, is the uh, biologist um, and, and wildlife oh, yes. studier that basically is of the premise. He's from Africa, and uh, his work proves that the more ungulates that we have, the better oh, yes, chance Avery, you're, you're right. to yeah. restore. Yeah, no, that's an excellent work. 
Right. Yeah, I remember now what you're talking about. So Alan yeah. Savory's work is actually contrary to that mm-hmm. piece on how the wolf, by destroying uh, the the ungulates, has improved the the habitat uh, restoration in Yellowstone. It's direct contrary to uh, Alan Savory and his fine, documented, well scientifically proven Wait work. A it's the there opposite. Is a paper. I read a paper about a couple of months ago where a bona fide biologist from the United States uh, has uh, basically exposed these fallacies. Uh, I would say contact Charles K. Charles is very, very well informed. He's not well liked, but he's very well informed about the Yellowstone situation. And he has at his fingertips the relevant literature that you can read to your uh, satisfaction. I have to tell you the following. I wrote this originally because I was in, in a dispute with my colleagues of the Canadian Wildlife Service which in the 1970s were trying to introduce uh, deer ranching, commercial deer ranching to uh, Canada. And I said, well, gentlemen, if you do that, you will destroy your system of wildlife conservation. And they shot back, what system of wildlife conservation? We do not have a system of wildlife conservation. And I said, you damn well do, and I'll write it down for you. And I did. The uh, basic system of wildlife conservation in North America is almost 180 degrees reversal from what the Europeans have been doing. And I am a European, and I have studied European wildlife management. I've also hunted in Europe, incidentally. And the um, um, basis of your um, um, system of wildlife conservation was accumulated over time, were basically seven basic policies that allowed wildlife to thrive. And that's all written down and is available for, uh, for reading. And it is one of the great achievements of North American society. And uh, it shows also something rather unique almost, in, namely that wildlife maintained in the public trust can be maintained as such. But your system of wildlife conservation is based on the idea that wildlife is produced for human consumption, not only for human enjoyment, but for human consumption. And that there is a t- tremendous value in this wildlife as such, and that's exactly what this is all about. The rest you can read up. Since we are together, we might as well. Um, you see, I uh, studied mountain sheep in a wilder paradise. Today it's a wilder desert, and it became a wilder desert when it became a provincial park, and everything was protected, and so you generated a, a predator pit situation at the present time. What prevented it previously were two things. The area was uh, a very large area, uh, was under control of an uh, outfitter. And that outfitter brought in horses at very great expense. It was difficult because so far away. And these horses were precious. So they could not be killed by wolves in wintertime. And he hired native people that used as a transportation dog sleds. So these natives were very, very used to controlling wolves. And the result of these natives living in that area, hunting themselves and traveling, and having now the obligation to look after the horses, reduced the wolf population. It didn't eliminate wolves. That's the irony behind it. If you manage to get a well-managed system and you have lots of ungulates and wildlife around, you will have some wolves living in packs 
in fact, you will have more wolves than if you let them go and you develop a predator pit situation. In a predator pit, there's hardly any wolves. So in other words, management for wildlife abundance maintains wolf populations too. And it makes giants out of wolves because of the very large amount of wildlife available for them. And these gigantic wolves do not breed with uh, coyotes or with dogs, believe you me. So this is a way to conserve wolves. These are the ironies that we have to deal with. Sir, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that as some of these issues continue to unfold down here in the States, that you will come back and join us. Um, I would be very interested in, in seeing if we could get you to write a short piece um, dedicate, dedicated just to the Hunter Nation website uh, to help us inform the American hunters of the pitfalls that they're just about to face because of truly their ignorance. Uh, and if you can help us, I'd sure appreciate it, sir. You're welcome. Ladies and Thank gentlemen, you. that was Mr. Val Geist, uh, just a wonderful, wonderful guest. Um, Josh, I, I don't know about you, but I would personally like to just send this recording to all 16 million plus American hunters, force them to listen uh, to what this man had to say today, because if 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 they don't realize the path that we're on and the path that we're allowing a narrative, a false narrative, if you will, mm -hmm. to right. push the American hunter through the, the populace, um, that it will be the end of this lifestyle. It will be the end of the traditional values of, of hunting and, and all the things that go with that in this country. Right. And what I like the most is uh, he he spoke a fact. Right. It was never like it was never his. Uh, what would it, I guess it would be his his. It was fact. Right. Well, and that's the thing that when you fight these anti-hunters, emotion. people, emotion, it's emotion. all emotion. Mm -hmm. Hey, with your gift of $25, we'll send you this cuddly, cute wolf uh, toy that your child can sleep with so your child can cuddle with the cuddly wolf, you know? And it's the same wolf that that child will grow up not fearing that will oh boy, ultimately yeah. oh boy, devastate him, you know? And so, uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, if again, and I know this is a broken record. If you've not gone to HunterNation.org, if if today's guest um, doesn't at least intrigue you enough to go do that, th then I really, I don't know, I'm disappointed in my fellow hunter. Uh, so please go to HunterNation.org and take a look. And, and when you listen to this podcast today, please share it with a fellow hunter, two or three, because this information we must get it out to all hunters. Again, thanks for joining us. If you come back next time, we'll have another Right on the Mark podcast. Sadly, God took Mr. Geist home on July 7, 2021, only weeks after we recorded this interview. After our recording was stopped, we had made plans for more interviews with Mr. Geist, and we had hopes of bringing our film crew up to his home in Canada. And he was writing an article about the North American hunter and predator management to be read on HunterNation.org's website. Unfortunately, he never completed that article. Sure, we've had bigger celebrities on the podcast, but I don't know that I have ever met anyone with more knowledge and experience on the subject of wolves and predator management. I know our time with him was very short, but it was packed with so much information and expertise, 
and I knew this was a man that I would love to share a campfire with. So in closing, I would urge everyone listening to remember Mr. Geist's message to the North American hunter. He firmly believed that we hunters are the last defense in our fight to protect the Second Amendment and the very right to keep and bear arms. He told us plainly, hunters must unite, that hunters must work together and stop fighting amongst ourselves if we're gonna save this perfect hunting lifestyle. And I would like to ask all of you listening that when you hit your knees this evening to say a prayer for the peaceful repose of the soul of Val Geist. The views and opinions expressed on Right on the Mark are not necessarily those of our host, guests, or sponsors. Right on the Mark is produced at Hunter Nation Studios and is the property of Bow and Arrow Productions, produced in conjunction with BLT Productions, copyright 2021.